0: boys are back in town, and we're blazing heat. This is Rich Buckland with his partner, Bill the Mesmesnik, and we are put on a stack of 45s. Yes, put on a stack of 45s. Podcasting
1: from outer space.
0: Podcasting from outer... I, I, I hear something, Bill. I, I, it sounds almost like it's 1961, and it sounds like <laughs> kind of a tornado... And Plan 9 from Outer Space combined. Could it be a Joe Meek recording? Uh, could, Bless my soul. Could it be Telstar? Yes, this week we're doing the, the legend of Telstar and the great Joe Meek and the tornadoes.
1: I don't think anybody Yes, knows. 1962 went to number one. The first British number one by an English group before the Beatles, and it uh, was on the Deca level, DECA label, and the B-side was Jungle Fever. Jungle Fever. <laughs> I, love that,
0: that. I love that. I love how you, the, you are definitely, you're not letting the B-side slide, I
1: love it. Okay, very good. I just wanna say, I just wanna say, when we decided to do Telstar, my, the memories that came flooding back to my childhood mm-hmm. were just extreme uh, and what i remember was i used to go to this summer camp called snow hill and we once a week they'd take us to a roller rink and we'd go sk- uh, roller skating in this roller rink and the song "Telstar" must have been a big hit at that time so it's 1962 so i would have been nine years old and uh, I just remember... Da, 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 As you're going da, 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 around da, da, da. While I was roller around. skating. Sure, yeah, sure. yeah. yeah. I, could feel, I could feel myself roller skating again. Mm-hmm. There's
0: some... Uh, instrumental music is, is something that we kind of take for granted. I have the same sensation when I hear The Ventures, Slaughter on 10th Avenue, or Walk, Don't Run... But I, I feel exactly what you're saying. There's something so haunting about that particular recording, but there's something haunting about all of Joe Meek's recording. Now we're talking about, we're talking about a producer who was deeply, deeply troubled. away as many troubled people do to create a legacy that in popular music will linger forever. This is a guy that set up his apartment as his recording studio, and that's part of the reason that he got the results that he did. Um, Anyone who doubts that, just listen to The Honeycombs, Have I the Right.
1: told you that we must
0: never ever part. Oh, the
1: right
0: to kiss you. which was another yeah, that was a big hit that was another big hit um, he would put the vocalist in the bathroom and he'd move the shower curtains just so so they bounce off the shower curtains <laughs> and he'd keep the door open he was he was nauseatingly compulsive and brilliant simultaneously.
1: Mad scientist.
0: Mad scientist who his recording. Studio. And just
1: a forerunner of so much of what the legacy now that we enjoy of technological advancement in music. The clavioline, which is that weird sound yes. that is playing the melody of Telstar and was played by Jeff Goddard. Um, was an early electronic instrument, which prefigured craftwork mm-hmm. and all of that stuff that happened
0: later. Mm-hmm. And there is something about the about the honest effort to engage these instruments with this echo that haunts. And I think it's the echo is also part of Joe's obsession with trying to record the dead. Joe would take his tape equipment and he put it in graveyards attempting to get to summon the sounds of the dead. He was quite serious about this. Uh,
1: wow, what a character.
0: And, and given his tragic ending it, it all kind of makes sense. He had this complete obsession with uh,
1: with death. Yes, and he was, a, he was a forerunner with sampling and of course reverb as you say. Um... You know, it's it's weird. He, you, do you know about the plagiarism lawsuit? I'm, I'm I'm not as familiar as I'd like to be. Please. Well, it, he he never received royalties from Telstar because there was this French composer Jean LeDrew who had written um, a, a, a similar melody, apparently, for the film Austerlitz in 1960, and um, he. There were no royalties during his lifetime for him on that song. So the biggest
0: hit he ever had, he received absolutely no money for, which is a story you know, you normally hear associated with doo-wop groups or uh, or groups who worked for pennies on tour uh, back in the uh, 50s yeah. and 60s. Yeah,
1: yeah. and the, for someone who has been ranked the greatest producer of all time by NME, in 2014 his whole life was really uh, a wayward tragedy
0: but that whole setup at 304 Holloway Road is really the key to his success but he also had obsessions he recorded so many different artists and they're all worthy of investigation unfortunately um, as with we're, in our previous episode regarding Billy Joe Shaver, we'd met, I, I can mention 12 songs that are attributed to him, but you'd have difficulty knowing what any of, of them are. So how many of these artists do you remember? The Beat Boys, Chico Arnez, The Ambassadors, The Diamond Twins, The Faradays, Lance Fortune, The checkmates. (laughs) Not my checkmates, but the original... Checkmates? checkmates, No, not your checkmates. Right, the original British checkmates. But then we move to Petula Clark, Shirley Bassey, Peter Cook. Yes, that Peter
1: Cook. Billy Fury. Peter Cook of Peter Cook and Dudley Moore. Peter
0: Cook and and Dudley Moore. And without (laughs) saying... And it goes without saying Heinz was the thing with Hines. yes i wanted
1: to talk about heinz burke yeah please do who was the bass player on the tornadoes right uh, he was the bass player on tornadoes and and joe was hopelessly in love with um heinz who had this bleached blonde hair and very you know aryan uh looking and there's a great video of the tornadoes doing a uh, a version of of the song and heinz is featured right in the front. Yes, he puts the guy him, playing the keyboard. He is put behind him behind Hines. Yes, yes, he put right. him there. Yeah, and and Hines is right there with this kind of uh, knowing look on his face. Um, but he he always uh, he swore that there was no uh, sex between the two of them. But um, he got embroiled in the big scandal of Joe's life because Joe ended up shooting his and killing his landlady Violet Shenton um, with Heinz's shotgun that Heinz had left behind in his apartment
0: it was a single barrel shotgun by the way for those of us who were curious about forensics and uh, mm. <laughs> it's, it seems that Joe kind of got angry uh, took the gun and just did what some people who are destined to do the craziest thing at the end of their life do. I mean, Joe Meek was not going to have a happy ending.
1: Well, that's right, and because of the illegality and the uh, the public stigma of being gay, he was afraid his mother would find out. He yes. never wanted his mother to find out. Correct. Right. And he ended up committing suicide in '67, uh, and the uh, the police found two suitcases with mutilated body parts, uh, because he shot himself because he feared questioning, and and having his gay lifestyle be brought to the to the public.
0: Yeah, everything um, was going he to was be revealed.
1: Obviously, yeah, he was obviously. They say bipolar, schizophrenic, um, and he was using both uppers and downers and was always in sunglasses day or night. Um, Mitch Mitchell, the drummer from uh, Jimmy Andrews experience, had worked with him. And apparently, uh, years before uh, Phil Spector, uh, Joe Meek held a gun to Mitch Mitchell's head to try and get him to play the drums better.
0: And that's one way to encourage uh, Yeah. A better Yeah better percussion um, I'm sure Phil did things a lot worse uh, probably used a vice and other instruments of torture but Meek definitely toward the end yes, it was a combination of drugs and his own mental health issues pro- probable schizophrenia he said that his voice was being controlled by aliens and uh, he was frequented by poltergeist and, uh, it was not going to end up well it was, it was not going to end, end well for him.
1: Uh, he left But, ba- you know, in the end, um, talk about the tea chest tapes.
0: Well, this is what he left behind. Thousands of recordings that he had hidden. He had actually hidden them in his studio. They went unreleased, but they were preserved by a gentleman named Cliff Cooper. And uh, Cooper purchased all of Meek's takes for something like 300 bucks. And these recordings were called the T-Chess Tapes.
1: And, uh, Early Bowie recordings. Yep. And Mark Bolin and Gene, some- Gene Vincent, Denny Lane, Billy
0: Fury, Tom Jones, Jimmy Page, Mike Berry, John Layton, Richie Blackmore. So, yeah, yeah, very important collection that he had left behind, which once again cements his importance Uh, in the legacy of the great producers. And you can make the case that along with Phil Spector, possibly the greatest.
1: Have those those T-Chess tapes been released ever?
0: I have some. I don't know if they were ever released in their entirety. I do not know if they were ever released in their entirety. When I acquired, I acquired a variety of them, bootleg, 30 some odd years ago. But as far as actually having had an official release, I do not know. I do not know. But um, I, I, I'm still fascinated with the the image of you roller skating to Telstar. And uh, I
1: know it's it's a beautiful memory.
0: it's it, And it's amazing what you know, when we equate these recordings, And their importance in our lives, that's a cherished memory that can only be provided with that kind of a soundtrack. Space age pop. Space age pop. The Ventures had a great version of Telstar, by the way, but they did it the Venture style. <laughs> I, listen, I hear the Ventures. I have hundreds of memories that flow forth. For Booker reasons. T
1: and MGs.
0: Booker T. Oh, yeah. Time is tight, baby. Time is tight. Speaking of which, yep. we are going to now bid you a fond farewell until the next episode of... Uh, put on a stack of 45s we hope that you have enjoyed this episode and we shall be back with many more plus we will have big news on the mezzanine, engaging in a new platform that is going to present our material in a whole new light for all you cats and kittens uh, new website and a new partnership that is going to enlarge the scope of what we do So we have that to look forward to in the year 2021. And uh, we got a vaccine coming up, baby. The world is going to be good again. Yeah. The world's going to be good. I love you. You take care. And everybody out there, stay safe. Rich Buckland, Bill Mesnick in California. Keep those 45 spinning.
1: Bye-bye, baby. Happy holidays.
0: Happy holidays.